Our friend Yael Lasowski with the Consumer Choice Center joins us each and every Friday morning during this time, Friday afternoon for him uh, across the pond. Yael, are you there, friend? Good morning. Good morning to you, Joe. Yes, sir. I am live and on the line. I heard you say something about uh, nastiness in D.C., so I knew I had the right channel. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, and uh, our friends at the Consumer Choice Center, uh, of course, advocating for consumer choice all around the world uh, at ConsumerChoiceCenter.org. In fact, uh, you have an article posted this, this morning at WashingtonExaminer.com uh, surrounding uh, this past week uh, and uh, you know, the, the quote-unquote whistleblower uh, who somehow has an entourage alongside her, supposed to be some independent uh, you know, former employee who wanted to pull the curtain back, and then all of a sudden you find out that she's got uh, you know, more staff surrounding her than uh, you know, your typical uh, congressional figure up in Washington, D.C., and you just have to sit there and scratch your head. Really? Is she a whistleblower, or is she just part of the master plan, Yael? Uh, for Facebook to get what they want from uh, the D.C. insiders. Oh, yeah. And Joe, I'm a guy who likes to do his research, as you well know. And seeing the, uh, let's say, the, our leftist political friends online, uh, they've been having a field day. They've been calling her all kinds of things, very skeptical of this. Uh, I mean, this all comes down to the fact that everybody has something, some kind of axe to grind with Facebook. Everybody's got a beef. Everybody's had an issue. People have gotten upset with things that have been done. Maybe they've had a post deleted or they've had a, a page disappeared. We've all been there. And uh, what this whistleblower has come out and shared are internal documents about how Facebook makes these decisions, some of the research they've done on uh, particularly kids using things like Instagram. And there's a lot to go through, uh, but this is actually giving perfect fodder to many of the politicians so that they can further their own agenda, which I believe has nothing to do with the interests of you as an individual user, you as a consumer of these services. And it seems as if they're just out to censor even more. And I think it's in these opportunities, in these stages, that we have to have people to sit back and say, okay, are we inviting the government to come in and to try to regulate and tell these companies who to censor and not to censor? Because in our experience, as we've known, Every time that this happens, people just take all of their comments and their information and they take it somewhere else. And this is going to be a place that's seedy. It's going to be a place that uh, is going to be hidden and those ideas will fester. I think um, a lot of the stuff she's talked about is about misinformation, disinformation, hate speech. I think that is just, it's sort of invoked, but there's not really any provable statements there. But what we do know is that this is going to cause a lot of those politicians who have their own axe to grind, as I mentioned, whether it be with Donald Trump having won the election in 2016, uh, some conservative Republicans who say that they censor Republicans too much. Either way, it does not look good if we have the government uh, that's more involved and will push people to censor more. So I find that's a bit dangerous. Well, as I uh, call them, uh, you know, the heads of these uh, big tech companies, I call them droids uh, because uh, it seems as if uh, when they do get in front of Congress, uh, you know, it's like a straight face. Uh, there's no emotion uh, but I have a feeling that behind that face, uh, they're just uh, giggling and laughing like a bunch of schoolgirls around the uh, water fountain uh, because the, they have a master plan and it's playing out exactly as they see it. Uh, we have a bunch of white hairs in Washington who have been around uh, you know, since the rotary telephone and they don't know how the ins and outs uh, of uh, this business. Uh, so uh, you know, why not us uh, you know, regulate ourselves and come to the table?
and then offer up some solutions. And by the way, we'll offer some of our employees to serve in the you know data security agency that uh, you know some are pitching out there uh, when it comes to uh, the restrictions that Washington wants to place on these uh, you know tech giants. Yeah, that was, uh, I think it's a proposal by the New York Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, which is an absolutely atrocious uh, agency ever. I think it was Ronald Reagan who said there's there's uh, no such thing as a temporary government program. And I think this is something that would uh, morph eventually to have much more control than we ever would thought. I mean, when it comes to these companies, I mean, look, these are mostly tech bros. And as these companies grow, I mean, you look at Uber, look at Lime, look at uh, Airbnb. As these companies grow, they hire more and more. They start hiring in California. It's no secret that you have a lot of left-leaning individuals. And the more that we call on these platforms to hire moderators, yeah, we know the type of people who are going to be in there. It's going to be fairly wealthy, educated, left-wing people, much like our own whistleblower. And we know where that's going to lead. The kind of alternative we can say is, well, let's not create any government barriers. Let's put pressure on the companies where possible, but let's not give any more power to the government here. We've, we're fighting against centralization of government power in so many different aspects of our lives. Uh, we're already seeing what's happened in the last year with the pandemic and COVID and the restrictions. And as long as it has the, the brandishing of the CDC, apparently it's okay. That's what will happen if we have any kind of federal agency here. If you think you're getting censored now, uh, let me tell you, my friends, it's going to be a lot worse if the government gets more involved. So I would say let's let's step back. It's never good to have knee-jerk reactions to try to regulate and to intervene, particularly in the market. And if people are not happy on Facebook, um, yeah, come to me. I've got some alternatives. I've got a Mastodon instance I use. i got plenty more. And that's uh, you know, kind of where I was going with this next uh, question and a, a beautiful segue. It's like uh, you do this for a profession once in a while, Yael. Uh, for people out there that will then come to you and say, well, look what they're doing and uh, you know, something needs to be done. Well, as consumers, we do have choices, right? And there are alternatives, albeit not maybe as popular as Facebook. But once upon a time, not too long ago, you know, Facebook was a platform that was used for college kids only. And then it exploded into you know what it is today. I mean, I'm talking just over the last 10 years. I remember yeah, maybe 20 years as I was uh, coming out of college, uh, you know, Facebook started to surface. And, uh, well, I wasn't uh, privy to that platform because I was no longer enrolled in you know, university. So uh, from there, uh, there are alternatives. You need to change your habits. Get off uh, the face crap and get on something else. Yeah, exactly. People are able to use all types of different apps nowadays. Uh, the one that I mentioned before is Mastodon. It's a decentralized version uh, where you actually do posts and pictures. Uh, you guys are always free as Big Talker listeners to head on over to mine. It is free. There's no kind of algorithms. There's no data mining, nothing. Uh, it's freewheel.social, so you guys can always sign up for that. And that's just one of the many tools. I mean, uh, one thing I'm really loving lately is I use messaging apps like Telegram. I use messaging apps like Signal. And there's all kinds of communities that people can create there. You can also go to Reddit. You can uh, go to all different types of forums online. I think Facebook is useful. I think the, the demographics are definitely changing. That's why a lot of this you know, intervention by politicians, we're not talking about TikTok. We're not talking about Snapchat. 
And these platforms are actually growing more users month on month than Facebook has at all, probably not in the last five or six years. So they're all, all types of alternatives out there. It's just that sometimes people are reluctant. Uh, it's hard to be the first one to you know jump off the cliff, so it were. But there are many of these, and you can actually find great communities on there. You know, there's even something called nextdoor.com where you can actually have like a neighborhood social media, which I don't know, Joe, if that's the worst idea ever or the best idea ever. Uh, but, you know, connecting with your neighbors and sharing ideas about community events, it's like having Big Talker Radio, you know, an online format there and connecting with your friends. So I say, why not? There's all types of stuff out there. Around the neighborhood, I used to call that a Saturday afternoon cookout in the backyard. You know, you invite the neighbors over, you get to know them, uh, you know, you shoot the breeze over a couple of the cold ones and or whatever your taste is. We once uh, called it uh, personal interaction. Uh, boy, oh boy, have uh, times changed. Am I sounding like an old fart again, Yael? Uh, one who does not use Amazon or all the other you know, popular site uh, you young whippersnappers are on these days? <laughs> yeah, I might have to send you an Oculus Rift uh, by Amazon, and then we can we can hang out in the virtual space, and you can come over to my virtual garage, and we'll have a great time. Shoot some darts, uh, play some ping pong, you know, uh, drink a cold one. All right, you know, okay, send me an invite. I, I can't guarantee that I'll answer it, but uh, you know, don't, don't hold your breath. <laughs> hey, and speaking of uh, you know the intraweb, uh, there are also alternative search engines uh, that people can utilize to go look up all the information on the World Wide Web. Given the news that, well, the U.S. government is reportedly issuing secret, uh, what they're calling keyword warrants uh, to Google for those who look up certain phrases and names and once again, triggering some worry over you know, privacy as to what you consume online. Yeah, this one was especially bad. I know that, look, at every moment of the day, one of us is going to have some kind of crazy idea. And, you know, we can set up a system that says that we need to get rid of all of these crazy ideas, but that's not going to work because <laughs> it's not possible because each one of us is a tad bit crazy, Joe. And I'm pretty sure if there was a censor or a moderator, you know, who existed up in D.C. or New York and had to decide which ideas were good and bad, plenty of them would be struck down each and every day. But we can disagree with that. Uh, when it comes to alternatives to search, uh, you know, luckily this is a field that is pretty good. The one that I use is DuckDuckGo, uh, which I think has worked really well so far. If you guys want to understand a bit more about how the encrypted Internet works, you can also check out the Tor browser, T-O-R. Uh, this is actually the dark net, uh, very secure. You're kind of very safe from prying eyes. And you know, there's a lot of interesting search engines out there too, but I think the DuckDuckGo, uh, you can also put that on your phone. You can just go to it in your browser. Uh, it's not connected at all to Google, very, very different. And I think it works really well. And uh, I think that's the great thing. There, there are going to be a lot more of these that are coming out, You know, things like startpage.com and, and many others. And that's why I'm so bullish on technology generally, because, you know, whenever there is a problem that comes up, whether it be with Facebook or whether it be with any of these other platforms, there are always alternatives right around the corner. And I think that's where we have to focus all of our energy is where is the next innovation and how do I hop onto it? And the next part is building communities, trying to find, you know, our friends and family and connect with them on there. But it's fairly simple to do. I mean, uh, pretty soon, Joe, we'll get you over there on the virtual space and we'll be hanging out and you know, people have been doing this for years, playing online gaming, uh, people using Discord, you know, as a, a, an application to share messages. We'll get you there, Joe. That's the, the next step.
Well, again, it's uh, about changing habits. It's, uh, again, not doing what all your cool friends do and, uh, you know, seeking out an alternative if it truly does, uh, you know, concern you. And then, two, you know, some of these uh, platforms uh, may not be available in the future if some of these bigger monopolies uh, have a say on how, well, the web is regulated by the government, right? Is this the whole case we're making here this morning? Yes, and this is why, you know, in all the arguments about monopolies and antitrust and splitting up companies, that's the greatest thing about the internet is that no one owns the internet. We all own a part of the internet. We all contribute to the internet. The internet is all of our computers connecting together. But the more that we invite government to come in, whether it be through these phony net neutrality proposals or through breaking up all of these companies, we're just putting that at risk. And we would not have had all these great innovations, uh, things like Amazon, uh, that I know you're a big fan of, Joe, and some of these others. We would not have that had it not been for the open access that we have on the Internet. There are too many young people today, Joe, who think that the Internet is Facebook and Google, and that's it. But the Internet, is that's just the beginning of it. There are so many other things you can do. You can create your own website. You can head on over to BigTalkerFM.com or ConsumerChoiceRadio.com. We build our own infrastructures on there, our own communities. And people are really able to get that information. If you're interested in it and you want to start blogging, if you want to put together your own newspaper, guess what? Head on over to WordPress and you can create your own in five minutes. Uh, So we can do all of that. The technology exists. Let's not invite yet more government regulation because it's just going to make this stuff less accessible in the future. And it means that we're going to invite political concerns as to who can say this or that. And I think that's fairly problematic because then we're just in a you know majority minority situation. And uh, if you if you thought democracy was you know bad, just wait until the next level where we have a, a majority that's deciding what you can say or not say online. Yael Osowski with the Consumer Choice Center with us here this morning. Uh, Yael, uh, we're seeing across uh, parts of our country in places like New York, uh, San Francisco, uh, L.A. now, uh, you know, three major cities in the United States uh, that are moving forward with these, uh, you know, vaccination mandates uh, for most indoor activities. Restaurants reporting in these cities, uh, you know, a 60 percent decrease in business since some of these mandates went into effect just, uh, you know, a few weeks back. L.A. jumping on the train, I believe, this week. Uh, we're also seeing mandates uh, across the pond, yet very difficult to find news these days. It's amazing that uh, you know, the major news networks here in the U.S., uh, along with uh, well, many of the social media platforms, you'd figure with the 24-7 news cycles uh, and the ability to, uh, you know, with the click of a mouse, uh, you know, find information from all over the world, that it's very difficult to see how the Euros are responding to some of the mandates uh, that have been set in place in certain nations uh, towards your neck of the woods. Can you give us on a, kind of a boots on the ground uh, you know, peek at what's going on in places like France, Italy, and others within the EU with surrounding these mandates? Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of resistance to the vaccine passports, particularly in France and Italy. A lot of protests that are happening on the weekends. And it's, you know, a lot of times it is people who don't, don't want to be subject to mandates, but a lot of times it's people much like, you know, our players in the NBA who've already gotten COVID and they've recovered. And the science tells us that these people have more antibodies than those who have been vaccinated. So according to the science, if you are, have already had COVID and you've recovered, you should be able to enter any single business you want without even a question. And that's what a lot of these regimes don't do is they don't allow for that flexibility. Uh, luckily in Austria and Germany and a, a couple others, they do allow you to enter 
Now, there is a version of the vaccine passport, but it's essentially uh, either vaccinated or tested or you've had COVID and recovered. At some point, we're going to have to live with it. And <laughs> we're, we're a broken record at this point, Joe, but it, it is true. But the resistance that we're seeing in France and Italy, I think, is interesting because, you know, most of these populations, we tend to believe that they're quite complacent. Uh, they have all types of, you know, changes and things that happens in the government, all types of corruption. People don't really stand up. Uh, but when it's, you know, about limiting your freedom to go to the store, to buy things for your family, uh, to go to classes with your kids, I mean, it's this kind of stuff to where you do awaken a sleeping giant. And, you know, luckily we have not had in Europe the same level of craziness, particularly with kids uh, that we have in the U.S. Uh, just seeing the mask mandates on children in the U.S., it's actually one of the only places in the world that mandates this. Uh, particularly if we look at kindergartens, elementary schools. I mean, that stuff is atrocious, and that's not the case here in Europe. We don't have uh, people under 12 forced to wear masks anywhere. But the U.S. seems to be, uh, you know, kind of as its own field there. So I guess we have to thank uh, President Biden for that one. Yeah, now, uh, of course, uh, we're going to be lining them up uh, 5 to 11-year-olds uh, for the jab uh, in the not-so-distant future. It's amazing, as you said, uh, you know, how this is not highlighted you know, through many of the new, many news organizations that have been covering this for 19 months, that the U.S. has some of the strictest mask mandates for children, particularly within the schools, and that we're one of the few nations that, that are going to be sending our kids to the doctors to get the jab between the ages of 5 and 11, as compared to elsewhere around the world. And a nice little nugget that you brought up just a moment ago, in that uh, you know, in certain EU nations, that they look at you as vaccinated, unvaccinated, and, uh, well... COVID with antibodies and a level of natural immunity. That sort of conversation still remains out of the spotlight from the Fauci's of the world and others within government, yet you have very well thought out explanations and responses by, you know, as you said, professional athletes and others that say, hey, why is no one talking about this? You know, this huge portion of our population, people like myself, why are we omitting this from the discussion? You have any ideas? Yeah, well, it has everything to do with politics. You know, organizations like the CDC and the FDA, as I've talked about on this program, Joe, for the last four years on other topics, whether we talk about vaping or anything else, these are not scientific bodies. These are political organizations. They might be staffed with doctors. They might have medical professionals who work there, but it's primarily a political organ. And what they're looking to do is enforce something on populations. They can provide advice, and they have at times, uh, but sometimes that advice has been wrong. Uh, I know there are other programs on this station that have actually interviewed many doctors and health professionals and kind of gotten the inside knowledge as to what's happening. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to wake people up. I don't think people appreciate, particularly when it comes to uh, kids being vaccinated, there's going to be a lot of resistance from people who are themselves vaccinated because they don't think it's appropriate for kids. They don't think it's appropriate for children who, looking at the statistics, have a very low likelihood of catching this, becoming ill, or passing away. And most of the risk groups are those who have comorbidities, those who are obese, those who happen to be over 70 years old. And that is not applied to your 8-year-old who's on the you know, playground having to wear a mask. I think they're going to face a new level of resistance, even from traditionally blue places, you know, from from very democratic places where people have been very happy to go along with mass mandates and vax passports. As soon as we start talking about children and making it a requirement for children, I think they're going to have another thing coming. 
And I don't think uh, many of the uh, political people who are at the CDC or the FDA are really prepared for that. Yeah, Yelosowski with the Consumer Choice Center, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice, uh, co-host of the Consumer Choice Radio Show. It airs every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on the Big Talker FM. Yeah, Yel, as always, great stuff, and I look forward to catching up uh, next week. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you very much, Joe. Happy, Happy Freedom, Freedom Friday. Friday. No doubt. It is good to be free. Well, for now, uh, consumerchoicecenter.org. You want to learn more about what they do and why they do it, not only here in the U.S., but all across the country. Yael has a great piece out on this whole Facebook debacle at washingtonexaminer.com this morning.